I want to jump into something today where it's been a unique season for many of us. And just being here today might feel weird. Does anybody feel like this is like, is there a sense of like over, over newness right now? Is that, is that anybody want? Yeah, a few people are like that. Okay. Uh, we wanted to do our best to make sure that if you did come in person, we really tried to help even the most sensitive among us feel comfortable, feel welcome, uh, and feel as though they can come in safely. And so I know that that varies across from each of us, from family to family, even within families. I've seen, you know, I've met with some people and one spouse is wearing a mask and one spouse isn't and they have different opinions of that stuff. And, and I'm sure that that's just the case. And as a church, we want to be united. That's not really a core essential doctrine, uh, mask wearing or not, or uh, how this stuff works. We want to be sensitive to one another and be united in our, our core mission and our faith. And so we're, we want to do our best and all the time, really, to serve those in all spectrums and also to make sure that those that even are the most sensitive or vulnerable feel uh, safe and, and comfortable. Sounds good? That's, that's been our posture, and that's what we want to keep doing uh, in this season. So if you're watching us from online and you're wondering, like, how's all this going? People, it looks pretty good. You guys look great. You guys look awesome. So, um, hey, let me start off this way because we're kicking off something new today. Last, last winter, uh, my family and I were invited to another home to celebrate the Super Bowl. Now, our family, like, we're pseudo-Super Bowl family, like, um, followers. Like, some years we, we watch, some years we don't. But we love getting together with people because the food is often great, whether it's at our house or someone else's house, or just the, you know, the connection. So we were, we were at someone's house. Food was awesome. Company was great. The game was good, although I'm going to admit I completely forget the game uh, that happened this last winter. But, but one person in the family, 17-year-old guy, uh, in this basement had a bench press. And so there's a bunch of guys, older and younger, and I was of the older group. And uh, what do guys do when they see a bench press? And maybe girls want to do this too. They test their strength. So, so some foolish guys do that. I was among the foolish among them who thought that I would test my strength and try and beat these younger guys. So we did this bench press test. Are you guys ready? We did this bench press test. It was pretty solid. I did okay, but I lost. I'll just tell you right now, the 17-year-old and 18-year-old beat me. And, uh, and that was okay. I, I was humbled and modest and kind of well, I left crying a little bit. But what I did... Later in the week, when I ended up at the gym, I thought, I got to be ready for them next time. I got to start bench pressing. And it was just this thought in me, being more prepared for the next time because my strength was tested. And I thought about that story when I was thinking about today and starting this new fall season. Because many of us, I think, I've noticed this in our conversations with different people I've talked to, with different people that um, I've just had maybe email exchanges with, or just in culture as well, Many of us have realized this, and you tell me if I'm right or wrong, just maybe not or not, that we're not as strong in some areas as we thought we were. We're not as strong in some areas that we thought we were. Our strength, our strength has been tested. For some of you, your resilience has been tested or your discipline has been tested. For some of you, your emotional health or your physical energy has been tested. Your ability to like, I used to be able to do this, but now in this season, I feel like I can't do this. And, and I, I felt like I had maybe a strong faith and now I feel like maybe I don't feel like my faith is as strong or, you know, what's my connection to the local church? For some, this has been unfortunate. For some, marriages have been tested. For some, if you're single, you your singleness has been tested. 
And I want to tell you right off the bat, that's not abnormal that in a crisis or in a shift to, that your strength gets tested. You're not alone in that. You're not alone. And so, and also where you're not alone is, we all discover places where we're not strong in as we go through shifts in our lives, as we go through different seasons. And the question is, what do you do about that? What do I do about that? Well, maybe we can prepare for the next time. And always, I love that saying that says, like, the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. The next best time is today. But if you miss today, the next best time is tomorrow, right? And so how do we prepare for that? So as we approach this fall season, I was searching the scriptures early in the summer, just thinking and praying, and this question kept coming to me. And the question was, where does my strength lie? Where does your strength lie? Where does our strength lie? Or maybe I'll say it this way. What is your strength in? What is your strength in? And if you saw the title for the next few weeks, that's what we're calling the next few weeks. Strength in or strengthened or strengthened, however you want to say it. Uh, Because as we look at this portion of scripture this week and the next few weeks, uh, I, I hope that we discover or we discern where our strength has been and where it can or should be. Where our strength has been and where it can or should be. If you've got your Bibles at home or here, just uh, we're, I'm going to turn to Ephesians chapter 6, sorry, chapter 4, and, and read just a couple of verses together that I think are going to be super helpful for us. And really something that I sense God put on my heart a couple of months ago, thinking about this fall season and this question. So, so verse 1, Ephesians 4, and we're going to read the first 11 verses or so, and I might pause along the way, but let's start. As a prisoner of the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope, when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father over all who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. And this is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. Jump down to verse 11. So Christ himself gave the apostles and the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Here's where we're headed the next few weeks. Even in these first few verses, Paul calls us right at the the beginning as he writes to this first century church. He says, I'm calling you to live a life. We're called to a life. And then later he says, we're given grace or these gifts, this grace to live this life. And then he talks about the body, this community to live it with. And over the the next few weeks, we're actually going to kind of walk through this. What is the life we're called to? What's the kind of grace or power we're given to live it? And towards what end? And what kind of community are we called to live it with? And it's interesting because as, as we read Ephesians, it's split into two parts. The first couple of chapters, you read it, and it's like, uh, it's, it's all about our identity. What's our identity in Christ like? And Paul wants to let us know who is Christ and what is Christ like and what does that mean for us? But then he shifts in this chapter to call us to live this life. And that's not always easy. 
to go from like the life we know we're called to live and then looking at the life we're actually living. It's not always easy to go from where Paul says, this is who you are and what you are and to actually live who you are and what you are. The difference between the life we're meant to live and the life we're actually living sometimes or in this whole idea of strength, the difference between the strength we're we're meant to lean on and the other sources we reach to for strength in our lives. And while Paul's affirming this call, he highlights some weaknesses, some cracks that, that were apparent in these first Christians. And he says it in verse 14. And he actually says, you know, why he says, you know, this life you're called to and the grace you're given and the community that you're a part of to grow into this way. He says, when that happens, in verse 14, he says, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Paul says it in a positive way. It's like, if we grow in this way, this will likely not happen to you. But here's the reality. Paul also assumes that if we don't grow in this way, this can happen to us. We will be tossed back and forth. While we follow Jesus and live into this life, here's, here's the truth. Just like, like my physical strength was tested on that bench press, our strength will be tested. Our strength will be tested as we follow Jesus. Like a boat gets tested on the waters with the winds and the waves. Has anybody ever been on a cruise ship? It was like once, in my, once so far, and it was a great time. My wife and I, uh, it was our 20th anniversary, and we were on this cruise ship. I was never on a cruise ship, and it's this massive ship, right? And like thousands of people on it. And so we went, it was a cool experience, but we went to the captain's, um, I don't know, lecture or something. This really cool Greek guy, really cool Greek accent. He was the captain of the ship and, and uh, told us all these stories, like being on sea. And then he tells us how the ship works. And he told us that the ship, these huge ships, you know, like you wonder, how do they not topple? How do they not fall over? How do they not fall off course? And they have this buoyancy system where the, 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 the center of gravity moves under the ship when they're pushed. And they have these thrusters in place, powerful thrusters, that a ship that size can actually tilt 45 degrees and not fall over. And so we're listening to all this, and I'm like, I've never really known how, you know, this works and the mechanics of it. And it made me realize this cruise ship is prepared for the winds and waves. It's prepared to even go on a 45 and not fall over. And as strong as it is, it's prepared with all those thrusters to slowly glide into the dock and not even get a scratch. I'm like, man, that's pretty impressive. Now, Paul's day, boats were not as sophisticated and so there was a lot more boat accidents back in that day and this was a common like metaphor for Paul in his day Paul planted churches in all these commercial towns and they were port towns along the sea because that was where people did business and so Paul ended up having this image in his mind and and the people he spoke to were probably involved somehow in the fishing industry maybe in the transport industry the markets along the sea and so the idea of winds and waves were really common in people's minds when Paul says, you can be tossed with winds and waves. So the metaphor is very real for, real for Paul. In fact, Paul, in Acts chapter 27, we read about Paul as a prisoner on a boat, and the boat crashes. And like, it's a really kind of crazy moment. And I think Paul in his mind is like, winds and waves, they can knock you off your course. Winds and waves can knock you off your center. Winds and waves sometimes can knock you right out. 
It's crazy. And I'm wondering if you guys in this season, anyone here is just thinking back saying, man, this season has knocked me off course. This season has almost knocked me out. This season feels like a shipwreck. And there, or maybe there's pockets of your life where you're looking at that. For the Ephesian church, they experienced this in different ways, and Paul specifically kind of hones in on two kinds of winds and waves, like some from within the church and some from the culture that would throw them off center or throw them off course or throw them off the, 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 the real truth of the gospel that he was teaching of, of God's kingdom or maybe off the resurrection and the cross. And I was thinking about this season. I'm like, there's been some weird teaching that's gone on even in the church global that maybe we'd say is, was not so great teaching that are winds and waves. I was thinking maybe there's been some bad ecclesiology. Ecclesiology means like the theology of the church. When, when no gatherings happened, what was the date? It was like middle of March. All of a sudden, no church met and, uh, for months. And all of a sudden, people's view of the church was shook because so many people had their ecclesiology or their view is like it was all wrapped up in a Sunday. It was all wrapped up in a gathering. Now, I love gatherings. I love that we're here. That's why we set it up. But for some people, 100% of what they viewed the church as was this Sunday morning experience or a gathering experience. And it's like many Christians did not know what to do or did not know how to stay connected outside of this one hour on a Sunday. Their theology of the church was loose or wishy-washy. And some people went the other way and demanded when this happened that the church is an essential service and it should always stay open no matter what and no one should stop us from our rights to meet. And they started to fight uh, the government to give churches special privileges. And I remember hearing someone, people say, if Walmart can stay open, so should the church. And I thought, if your theology is based on that first sentence, then you're right off the bat, you're wrong. Because if you ever say, if Walmart does this, then the church is like, wait a second, just keep reading the New Testament and you'll realize that that's a bad way to start your theology of the church. Never compare the church with Walmart or Costco or Best Buy or Amazon or Facebook or Apple or whatever you want to do. And, but people started seeing that and saying, well, if this and this, and all of a sudden it's like they wanted this security from the government to say, validate us. And it's like the, the, the existence of the church is never based on the validation of a government or culture. The church is Christ's body in the world. And there's churches that meet all over the world um, in spite of the governments, in spite of what's happening. They can't meet in the same ways we meet, but they still stayed connected. And I started to think the church is very essential, but not only because we gather. One of the reasons is because we get to gather. But it's not only because we gather but it's because we're God's living and local presence in the world. We're his body, we're his people, we're his hands and feet. And we're going to discover that in this text over the next few weeks. The body of Christ represents the light of Christ in the world. And there's ways when we can't gather like this that we still can be the body. I'm so glad that we are meeting today. And I'm so glad that I'm looking at real faces. And I love John Weaver's face, but he's the only face I saw when I preached for the last couple of months. And, uh, and he didn't have a nice mask like Catherine. If you, you guys on screen don't see, but math, she has a nice heart on her mask right now. So that, that's really cool. Um, but the body of Christ is both to gather and stay connected and to scatter. And our connection is beyond that. 
bad eschatology or like thinking of the end of the world is one of the crazy things that were going on too in the church. Some Christians got more caught up wondering if COVID might be the trigger of the end of the world. They stopped caring for the world. They stopped caring for people around them. And they were caught up more with trying to, you know, pinpoint everything rather than actually saying, what is the Lord calling me to in this moment? Trust me, I won't open that can of worms this morning, but I just thought that that's been one of those themes. But it's not just in the church, it's in the culture. And Paul says winds and waves of deceit or trickery or craftiness, the ideas of our age, the ideas of the empires of the world aim to dislodge you and me from being rooted in Christ, from being rooted in the gospel of his kingdom, from being rooted in his church. And I noticed this because people who would say with their mouths, my hope is in the Lord, then you'd notice that they were looking for strength in something else. Like they say it, my hope is in the Lord. I'm a, I'm a believer. I trust Jesus for all things. But then they're looking for strength in other things. Where can this give me security? Where can that give me security? And we saw people look for it and still in politics, in pleasure, in economics, in escapism, And so I don't know about you, but I know I found myself being distracted in this season and and often being tempted in this season. And this is what it's done. It's revealed cracks in me that I didn't even know I had. It's revealed cracks in some of your emotional and spiritual health and in some of your relationships. It's revealed cracks. See, the winds and waves reveal the compromises of a ship. On a good day, a ship can be mediocre. On a bad day, a ship will reveal its cracks, right? And, and some ships only realize the cracks in their system when it's too late, when the wind has toppled them over, when the waves have flipped them, when the wind has detoured them. So here's my question today as we, we jump into this season, as we gather for the first time, but as we also start this new series together, what has this season revealed for you? What has this season revealed for you? Or what cracks have you become aware of recently? Maybe it's been cracks in your relationships. Maybe it's been cracks in your emotional health, your spiritual core. I'm not sure what it might be, but the question we need to ask and let the Holy Spirit work in. There's a word that's been going around a lot, especially because of just the, the, the shakiness of the world these days, and it's the word apocalypse. Have you guys seen that pop up sometimes? Like, is this the apocalypse? Is, and people, when they say the word apocalypse, they think of the end, like the world's going to be destroyed. And it's a really popular word, and many Christians were asking it and thinking about the end of the world, and it made me think about the book of Revelation, the last book of the Bible that says the revelation of John, or John's apocalypse. And, and I, I think... Uh, there's like a future series in us exploring this letter together, but it won't start today. Um, But I think it'd be worthwhile. But the word apocalypse means revelation. Or the word apocalypse, it actually means this, unveiling. So when John had this vision and he wrote this letter to to this letter of revelation or this letter to these churches in the first century, it was an unveiling for them. This apocalyptic moment that they were walking through at the time unveiled for them certain things. It unveiled for them the true nature of their governing empire, which was Rome at the time. It unveiled for them the kind of oppression that they were getting. It unveiled for them how the government at their time, the oppressive government, wanted worship and wanted allegiance from them. And to make sure that their allegiance was not in somebody named Jesus. 
And it unveiled for them the final victory of Christ and the ruling of Christ one day. But it also revealed or unveiled for them the cracks that they were experiencing in their own lives. Paul writes to seven churches, and in each of them, he shares some things. And some of them are the cracks that were opening up in their lives and in their church. An apocalypse is an unveiling. And so many of us, or too many of us, and I don't, just, I don't mean us at Westside, but maybe we've heard this message, have been looking for apocalyptic signs in COVID when we should be saying, Lord, what's your apocalyptic sign for me? What's your apocalyptic sign for the church in this era? How can you, an apocalypto, or unveil what's happening in my heart and in my life and in our church? Because I believe God wants to call us to something deeper in this season, wants to call us to something that we can engage in what he's doing. And part of the way he gets our attention and he calls us is he will use these moments to unveil what's really going on in our hearts, what's really going on in the church. And so my question is, what is God unveiling in your life? What's the cracks that you've experienced in this storm revealing? And whatever they are, you don't have to say it out loud. You don't have to write it on Facebook if you're watching. Don't neglect it. Don't close your eyes to it. Don't ignore it. Don't let the itch of the 24-7 news cycle be more important than the news God wants to give you. Don't let that desire to know all things blind you from what's happening in your own heart. God wants to do something in you. God wants to do something in me. God wants to do something in our church. What would happen if we paid attention to what he's unveiling in us? And maybe some of that will mean repentance and confession and, and a return to who he is. And what might God do if we actually allow him to reveal the cracks and start calling us in so he can use us in this very moment, in this very season? I was listening to a pastor from New York City talk about their church. And New York has been ravaged by COVID, right? I mean, people, many people have left the city or temporarily. And some Christians have banded together to keep praying, to keep seeking the welfare of the city. And I love the, I love the sense of what God was doing in them. They said, so many of us have an even greater call to New York City than we had before COVID. Some of us are seeing the potential 20 or 30% drop in real estate in New York as a time to invest in the city and say, we're going to be here for the long haul we're going to be here and serve God's kingdom in this city and I thought what an amazing way to look at what's going on what how would that look like in the various parts of our lives and for us as a church to let God unveil that and then say Lord what are you doing what are you calling us to and for some it starts with unveiling the unhealth in our homes or our marriages or singleness or our faith or our church the next few weeks we're gonna jump into discovering where true strength lies our calling, Christ-likeness, community. But today, I just want to start with these cracks. Just want to start with this question. Just to throw this question into our thinking and our mind and our hearts and allow the Holy Spirit to bring us face-to-face -face with the cracks that have been revealed in us lately. So to really, at this moment of confession, I'm going to ask Matt to come back as we move into a moment of communion. But I'm going to, I'm going to invite us as we step into this next couple of minutes, as we celebrate communion, whether you're, at, you're watching with us or you're here today, and I hope that when you, when you walked in, you got one of these little communion packets, and uh, we tried our best to figure out a way to do this in a way that could be meaningful and, uh, and still get it done and, and be part of this. And so 
as we enter this moment of communion, as we enter this time, I'm going to invite you just to, just to pause for a second, just to, just to confess. You can start, Matt, and we can just take this moment just to come before the Lord and maybe ask those questions. God, what, are you un- what have you been trying to unveil in my life or my heart right now? What have you been unveiling that I've noticed that is like, it's not, maybe it's not a great thing. Maybe it's an ugly thing. Maybe it's something that is not something you want to like celebrate, but it's just real. It's real. It's, what's your, it's what you're going through. It's what's happening in your household. It's what's happening in your heart and your mind. Maybe it's what's happening in a relationship you're in. And you're just saying like, this is ugly, but God, it's, 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 it is what it is. And God wants you to see it for what it is. And just to take this moment and bring it before him and confess. Just before we enter into a couple of minutes of communion this morning. Even if you're watching with us on screen, just take these couple of moments. Holy Spirit, show us right now. Reveal to us. Unveil. Something in us personally and even something in in our church. As these things have come to mind, just literally offer them to the Lord. If it needs um, a posture of confession or repentance, don't avoid that. When you repent and confess, you're just acknowledging you need a reorientation. Back into God's heart, God's will, God's passion, God's purposes. God, you've engaged through Christ the brokenness of our world, the cracks of our world and even the cracks in our own lives and we admit that we have cracks we admit as a church that we have cracks we admit that our strength has been tested and I admit that my strength has been tested and that there's been times that I have declared my hope and trust in you but have sought out other sources to find my strength in God And I pray, Lord, that I would not ignore this apocalyptic moment that you would unveil, Lord, so you could unveil even within me, God, what you want to do, what you want to reveal, what you want to change. I bring my full self to you, God. God, we bring our church to you. 
Lord, we do not want to just do status quo. We do not just want to hunker down, but we do want to, Lord, be a force for good in our world, the common good around us. We want to be a contributor to the health around us, but we also, Lord, we want to be used by you to be your living and local presence. Lord, may we hear the voice of your spirit calling us in new ways, in new strength, in new empowerment, in new creativity to be your people, partnering with your gospel in this very moment of history. Help us over the next few weeks to grow in the strength, the places of strength that will prepare us for this, Lord, to be your people on mission for you, God. And right now, God, I pray for some of the difficult cracks that people have been lifting up to you. Maybe cracks in a marriage, cracks in, in a relationship, cracks in, their, in the sense of, um, of vocation and singleness. God, cracks in, in how we've been, maybe our emotional strength and, and spiritual walk with you, God. God, we bring them to you and we, I bring every person to you, Lord, whether here in person or on the screen. Oh God, would you be at work among us? In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen.